Well, they're meeting down south. God bless them. It's a different church, uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. It's a different church than the church that your parents grew up in. 65%, I heard this little factoid, 65% of the delegates, about 2,000 of them, either on Zoom, most of them are, of course, right there in the dome where the Los Angeles Rams used to play, I mean, the, the St. Louis Rams. 65% of the delegates are there for the first time. There's a new wave coming into the church. You just go on to gcsession.org. Don't look it up now. But you look under those elected and you look, you look at the faces. It's, a, an inter, it's an international community. Some of us grew up with the churches. General Conference is basically an American event. No longer. They've come from all over this planet. And that's the way it should be. Because he lives, is the good news, in every country on this earth. It's the greatest news there is. Oh, God, it is good news that our Lord and Savior Jesus lives. We're here to finish our worship now in the Holy Scripture. Open our minds and our hearts. We have to hear what you are saying. Please, for the glory of the one who is our Savior. Amen. When I was a boy growing up in Japan as a missionary's kid, I heard about an African-American gospel singer named Mahalia Jackson, considered by many to be one of the most influential vocalists of the 20th century. My dad had a, used to have, had her singing on Reel to Reel. You don't know what Reel to Reel is, and I don't have time to explain it to you, but it was a tape, and it played those spirituals. And one of my favorites was Joshua Fit, word for fought. Joshua Fit, the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. I got the words right here. You may talk about the men of Gideon. You may talk about the men of Saul, but there's none like the good old Joshua at the battle of Jericho when the walls came a-tumbling, a-tumbling down. You know what? Thanks to her singing that. And by the way, you can, you, can, you can hear her singing it in black and white on YouTube. Check it out. Thanks to that uh, familiar spiritual, the world at least back then, heard about this story. Most of the world has forgotten the story. You and I have it. We go back to it now. Because embedded in that 3,500-year-old battle scene is a secret for your survival and mine today. The enemy is 3,500 years wiser. He knows the human race. He has you in his crosshairs, but that's okay. Take a look at this strategy. Open your Bible to Joshua chapter 5. Let's go to where we were last time. That was just last week, wasn't it? Joshua chapter 5. I want to read those words again. I'm not going to put them on the screen. They'll be right here in your Bible. Joshua chapter 5. Pick it up in verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, Israel has crossed the Jordan. They're poised on the brink of a do-or-die battle. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword is drawn. Joshua went up to him and he said, are you for us or against us? The man answers, no, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I am the commander of the angel armies. I am here. And Joshua immediately, notice his response, he falls face down to the ground in reverence and asks, what message does my Lord have for his servant? He still does not know this is deity standing in front of him. This is the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament who went whenever he shows up, capital A, angel. It is none other than the second person of the Godhead in the form of an angel called Michael in the Old Testament. 
And the commander speaks, verse 15. He replied, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so and worshiped. And he received his worship. But the conversation's not over. There were no chapter divisions when this book was written, so we're going to pick it up right here now. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. They are scared spitless. The track record of this marauding horde is 100% victory. And they're scared. Now the Lord, that's the sacred name of God. Now the Lord said to Joshua, continuing the conversation with him, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, good news. God has already spoken victory over you. He declares victory before it ever happens. You're going through a battle right now. You have a Jericho in your heart right now. God has already seen your victory, his victory for you over your Jericho. You got to stay with him. You got to follow his instructions, just like Joshua. Let's keep going. March around. Here come the instructions now. March around the city once with all the armed men. I want you to do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets on that seventh day, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. My, oh, my, oh, my. Goodbye. Gone. Joshua hurries back to camp to set it up as God has just instructed. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. But there are actually more details to his instructions. And so that you will get this processional, this mighty military processional, I'm going to put the, uh, um, the, the waves on the screen for you so that you'll just get the, we'll call it the Jericho plan. So who goes first? The army goes first. They can't be the whole army. They don't need the whole army. This is a cohort. Likely uh, 12, uh, the 12 tribes are all represented in the, in the advance wave. Then coming, as God instructed Joshua, coming behind the army are seven shofar-blowing priests. You know what the shofar is? It's that ram's horn. Just kind of that mournful wail. So they're blowing their, their trumpets. These are not the silver trumpets of the sanctuary. Uh-uh. Then come four. This is, this is to me, is, is just amazing. Four ark-carrying priests. This is the throne of the deity on earth. Nobody touches that throne. Nobody on the pain of death. But it's, I just learned this this week. Patriarchs and prophets draws the veil aside just for a moment. Notice this. The ark of God surrounded by a halo of divine glory. It's not just a piece of furniture covered in some tarp. There's a divine glory. There's, there's divinity surrounding it. Wow. Surrounded by a halo of divine glory was born by priests clad in the dress denoting their sacred office. Can you imagine that? 
And then the wave, the rear guard now come behind. Here come the armed soldiers. It can't be the entire camp of Israel. Come on. The people are not there. Mothers, grandmothers, children, grand, you know, the, the servants. No, nope, this is just the selected army. A wave in front and a wave in the back. And now notice. But Joshua had commanded the army. Now, hear your instructions, fellas. Listen carefully. And imagine he was rather stern about this, as you'll see. Do not give a war cry. I want no whooping and hollering. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a single word. I don't want you to speak a word. Do you understand? Silence. Not a single word until the day I tell you to shout. And then when I say shout, we shout together. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Try to imagine the, inha the inhabitants, the citizens of the city. You're the one that's just looking over the, the tip of the wall. What is this doing to you? Tram, tram, tram. Not a word, not a sword in sight. And then this halo, this divine halo in the midst of them. Oh, mercy. Talking about a psychological impact on the inhabitants of Jericho. So he had the ark circling the city once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Keep going. Robert Alter, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Robert Alter makes a point now. Watch this. The right, okay, we'll call it the Jericho plan. The, the plan devised to bring down the walls of the town involves a quadrupling of the sacred number seven. <laughs> Never thought about this. What do we have in the story? We have seven priests. We have seven rams' horns. We have the seventh day, and we have seven times. Now, he goes on. But the destruction of the town is also an anti-anti-creation story. Six days to go around the wall, and on the climactic seventh day, it collapses, and the town is reduced to rubble. Now comes day seven. Here we go. And on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Not just once. Seven times, nobody's saying a word. Not a, not a word. Except that on that day, they did circle the city seven times. Keep reading. And the seventh time around, when the priest sounded that trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Boom! Like a stadium full of voices. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet... When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted, that's a technical word, they devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep and donkeys. Keep reading. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the man Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. My, oh, my, oh, my. We need to hit the pause button right here. Because for our Western minds, we have just encountered a very disturbing scene. And questions immediately are raised in our consciousness. What kind of a God would do this? 
Robert Alter again. This total prescription of destruction, here's the Hebrew word, kerem, kerem, of the conquered city, which means annihilating its population and its animals, and at least in this instance, dedicating all objects of value to the Lord's treasury, is the grimmest aspect of this triumphalist story. Quite an understatement, to be sure. What do we do with a story like this? How do we explain the annihilation of Jericho? Well, I could spend probably a whole book trying to tackle the issue. I'm not sure it's that complicated. I'm a, I have five fingers here, and I want to make a statement for each of these fingers. Finger number one, God sits above human history and is the arbiter of each nation. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 says God sets up kings and kingdoms, and God takes down kings and kingdoms. Why? Can't he? I'm the owner of this world. This is my father's world. It's my world. So he's the arbiter of human history. Each nation and civilization granted a probation in which to live up to the, div the divine light that is shining even in their paganism upon them. Opposition to God's principles of life and liberty and justice and compassion spells national ruin. And I hate to say this, tragically, it will happen one day to this nation we love. National ruin. Okay, here's my second finger. God is not partial to his chosen ones. God is partial to anybody that will respond back. He goes to Ur of the Chaldees. He finds one monotheist in that polytheist city. Abraham, I'll take you. You follow me, and if you stay with me, I will build a mighty nation, and you will be a blessing. Your people will be a blessing to the entire human race. So Abraham says, I will follow. God's not playing favorites. He has somebody now because he needs the chosen to be missionaries regarding the, the loving creator of the universe and the earth. We have a story to tell. We want to tell you about the God we worship. That's all he needs. I have a third finger. God sadly had to tell Abraham, by the way, Abraham, promised land, you're not going to have it for 400 years. Count them. 400 years. Why, Lord? 400 years because the Canaanites are not ready to be slaughtered. Their probation is not ready to end. I'm giving them four centuries to respond to the light of my spirit that will shine into their minds and hearts. Give me 400 years, Abraham. Then we'll see. And how did the Canaanites respond? 400 years are squandered, an unequivocal no to the appeal of the Creator God to turn to Him and find life as everlasting. Oh, yes, there were stellar exceptions, Rahab the prostitute. There were others like Rahab who said, I see and believe I'll follow Him like you do. Finger number four, thus when Canaan's 400 years have passed, God brings the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. They start marching toward the promised land. But the Canaanites, free choice, have chosen to spurn the invitation of the Creator God. And so to honor their free choice, to, al to ally themselves with the, with the dark nemesis of heaven who rules from the seat of Jericho, by the way. Jericho is the seat for anti-God, anti-heaven, anti-creator, anti-divine, anti-everything. The time has come, 400 years later, to cleanse the land of this licentious, idolatrous, goddesses and 
God's kind of corruption made in the image of man. Otherwise, this cancer will destroy the entire community. We have to take the cancer out. Is it a loving... Is is it an act of love for a surgeon to remove cancer from your body? It's an act of love. He will have to kill part of the body in order to spare the whole. I'll have to take it out. But there's a fifth finger. And that's to remind us that it was at an infinite price to himself that the Creator God would come to earth one day to become one with the lost human race in the desperate hope that even yet some of them would say yes to him and he would reclaim thousands from the human race. So when those walls went down, and I love what our our graphic designer, Brittany Doyle, did. I, I love this representation of the walls going down. It was just a mighty shout and you're Dust in the air. Jericho is gone. Wow. And how much did the children of Israel contribute to that uh, mighty victory? You tell me. How much did the children of Israel contribute to the mighty victory of the destruction of Jericho? How much? Zero. Nada. Nothing. Zero. They just stood there. They had to do the cleanup. But they just stood there. You say, you can't prove that from the Bible. Oh, yes, I can. I'm glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had had marched around them for seven days. By faith, those walls came down. Not a single fingerprint on Jericho walls. Bible commentary is absolutely clear. I want to share that quotation we looked at last week because it has a second part to it, and I need to share that second part. So here's the, here's the part from last week. If the eyes of Joshua had been opened, as were the eyes of the servant of Elisha at Dothan, you remember the chariots of fire, angels and chariots of fire all around that little village. If Joshua could have seen, if he could have endured the sight, what would he have seen? He would have seen the angels of the Lord encamped about the children of Israel for the trained army of heaven. I love that line. The trained army of heaven had come to fight for the people of God and the captain of the Lord's host was there to command. One of our worshipers in first service, Terry Fivash, came up to me after first church. She said, hey, Dwight, I've been doing some study for the next book I'm writing on the life of David. And uh, there's an ancient Near Eastern custom that if 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 the entire army is mustered for an attack, the custom is the king always shows up. Isn't that good? If you're going to use a whole army... The king will stand in front of the army. Guess who was there? Jesus, king of angels. Angel armies. He leads. Wow. My, oh my, oh my. Now, here's the the other half of this quotation. When Jericho fell, no human hand touched the walls of the city, for the angels of the Lord overthrew the fortifications. How they did it, I have no idea. Was it blowing? Did they... Flick it, I don't know. The angels of the Lord overthrew the fortifications and entered the fortress of the enemy. It was not Israel, but the captain of the Lord's host that took Jericho. But Israel had their part to act to show their faith in the captain of their salvation. What's my part? Trust me. 
Yo, what's my part, God, in this battle down here? Trust me. By faith. I fight. You faith. I fight. Speaking like broken English. You faith. I fight. You faith. That's all you do. You believe in me. Wow. By faith in him, they were victorious. Okay, so here's the question, just begging right now, just begging to be asked, and that is, can we live that way today, you and I, by faith? Can we live with the Jerichos we face right now? Some of you are facing a very dark wall. It's as if you're, it's in the middle of the night. Your nose is against the wall, so you've touched something here, and it is blocking you. It is the enemy's wall in front of your life. Some of you are wrestling right now with a medical diagnosis, and it just looks like it's... This is as far as you go. Some of you are wrestling today with marital dysfunction. The wall is in your face against your nose. It may be a financial crisis. It may be an emotional meltdown. You have no idea what is in front of you. You can't see over the wall. You just know that you are stopped. And unless somebody intervenes, you are lost. Some of you, it's a spiritual bondage that has kept you in chain for years. A boa constrictor of temptation that is coiled around your life now. A gift from the serpent himself that is choking the life out of your soul and suffocating any hope of victory or deliverance. You know exactly what I'm describing. That's your Jericho. Can God take that Jericho down? The answer is... Yes. Well, one person got it. You go, Nicole. Say it louder, Nicole, because they they're, they're still trying to figure out. What's the answer? Give, give, it, give the answer. Yes. Yes. That's why we need to turn to him. I love this call. Isaiah 45, 22, God crying out to the human race, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. What else does he say? Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Come on. I fight. You faith, you faith, I fight. He doesn't have to get the English right if he comes through at the right moment. Right? Yeah. I fight, you faith. Let me try that one more time and you give me the other half. I fight, you faith, you faith. Wow. By faith. The walls of Jericho came down. Oh, I love what was read just a moment ago by our worship team. This is the, this sets up the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I carry these words in every Bible I own. And you're going to see the page number at the end. It's from Desire of Ages. This is a keeper. This is a real live keeper. We are to contend with supernatural forces. But we are assured of supernatural help. All the intelligences of heaven are in this army. When the king shows up, how many of the army show up? The entire army shows up. Here's the word. All of the intelligences of heaven are in this army. And more, more, more than angels are in the ranks. The Holy Spirit, the representative of the captain of the Lord's host, comes down to direct the battle. Oh, this is beautiful. Our infirmities, speaking of mine and yours, may be many. Our sins and mistakes grievous. But here comes the gospel. 
But the grace of God is for all who seek it with contrition, with repentance. The power of capital O omnipotence is enlisted in behalf of those who trust in God. I fight, you faith. That's it. Trust me. I know it's a huge Jericho. I've talked to some of you. The Jericho is almost... It's almost crushing. But I'm telling you today, on the authority of God's Word, you must not quit. You must not turn and run. Go straight forward. That wall is there, but guess who takes down the walls? Stay with Him. Stay with Him. Yours is not a hopeless case. 10,000 times 10,000 chariots of fire angels as far as the eyes can see. Give me that, uh, give me that Second Corinthians line again. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. No, 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 no. On the contrary, they have divine power to... What are the last two words? Read them out loud. What are the last two words? Demolish. What? Strongholds. You have a stronghold in your life right now. That's what's happening. The enemy has erected a stronghold in your heart right now. And it feels like you are lost forever. I am here to tell you, wrong. He announces to you today, in advance, the victory that you're about to have. There is victory for you. Victory. I fight. You faith. Wow. Maybe we don't believe in angels. Maybe that's the problem. John Dawson, the very bright... New Zealander, Kiwi, in his marvelous book, Taking Our Cities for God, John Dawson writes, the priorities of eternity and the spiritual world should be the realities that dominate our thinking. Are you a Christian in belief but an agnostic in practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I believe 28 fundamental beliefs. Good, 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 good. But are you an agnostic in practice? You're not calling on anybody. You're trying to overcome this on yourself, and you've given up overcoming it. You're just going to enjoy it. Are you an agnostic in practice? Do you believe in angels? And then Dawson writes a line that has been in my, my mind ever since I read it for the first time. Do, do you really act as though the heavenly host existed or are, are you as earthbound in your thinking as the average secular pagan? Keep reading. The prayer of a human being can alter history by releasing legions of angels into the earth. They're released. Why? Because in the, in the rules of fair play in the great controversy, unless you're asking, I can't, I can't come barging into your life. But if I'm asking for you, then I can move because somebody is saying helper. Angels, the prayer of a human can alter history by releasing legions of angels into the earth. Keep reading. If we really grasp this truth, we would pray with intensity and we would pray constantly. My. We'd be praying a lot. We'd be praying a lot. <sighs> if we really believed in the angel armies, that is. If we really believed that the king of the angel armies, the drawn sword commander of the Lord's host, if we really believed that he goes into battle and that it is true, I fight and you face, if we really believe that, 
There is nothing God cannot do to deliver you and me. Mm. We would pray with intensity and we would pray constantly. Then should we not be calling upon the Lord on behalf of the people we love? Should we not be calling upon the Lord on behalf of our own desperate, struggling soul? That Chris Rice song has been going in my mind ever since it came to me when I was writing this week. Oh, I love that song. Can you spare an angel tonight? Listen to that one sometime. Can you spare an angel tonight? Send a little help from your side, side, because somebody's lost down here. Let him wing his way through the dark. Carry some of your love into her heart. Can you spare an angel? Spare an angel. Can you spare an angel? That's what we need to be asking. God, spare me another angel. Not for me, but for her, for him. For these that I beg of you, my heart is breaking over. For these... Send another angel. Send, send me another angel. Just one more. Wesley Dewell, in his book, Mighty Prevailing Prayer, it is never too late. This is so good. It is never too late for God. I don't care how far gone you think you are. My friend, sir, you are not too far gone. Madam, you are not too far gone. It is never too late for God. No battle is too nearly lost for God to win. The last second, if you call, Jesus, save me, as Peter is drowning. Last second, and help is there. No combination of opposing forces is too strong or too numerous for God. Forward on our knees, he writes. The point is, don't give up. Please, don't give up. I know the battle is raging around you. I know it has penetrated into your consciousness. I know you are very well aware of what is happening around you. But don't give up. You are surrounded. But you just say the word. You've got to mean it. But you just say the words. Can you spare an angel? And angels who excel in strength, as Psalm 103 describes them. Are suddenly beside you. But you have to ask. Please, ask me. I fight. You faith. I think of that night when the other Joshua is flat on his face. So desperate is his prayer in that Gethsemane garden. Human support has abandoned him now. He has nobody but the God he cannot see, but only trust. Can you spare an angel is what he weeps into that Gethsemane cold earth. Three long hours of agonizing praying while his closest companions in this life are sleeping. When suddenly all of heaven opens, a door. And there beside him, only Luke tells us, heaven spared an angel. Do not begrudge the king of angels for that attention because there's good news in it, and here it is. If God would send forth an angel to one who was sinless but needy, how much more would God, in comparison, send an angel to one who is sinful and needy? Who needs the angel more? You do, and so do I. Can you spare an angel tonight by faith?
I'm asking you, right now, amen. Our connect card, if you'll text on your phone, Joshua 3 to this number, 269-281-2345. You just text Joshua 3. This will come to you. My next steps today are, number one, I need divine help in taking down the Jericho in my life. Please pray for me. If you put a check mark there and we have your name, you will be prayed over this week by name, by name. If you put a check mark there, there's only one other box. Can you spare an angel tonight is my prayer for me and for those I deeply care for. Please, you fight. I faith. Por favor. Please. Oh, God. Everything in this story is tilted to our advantage. Everything. All the intelligences of heaven in that army available to little old me. Holy Father, Holy Christ, and Holy Spirit, we call upon you. Can you spare an angel? Deliver us from evil. As you taught us to pray, deliver us from the evil one right now. By faith, we pray. Amen.